0: Well, good morning, y'all. It's good to be back. I have to admit that I kind of missed you guys a little bit. Um, I know it's been a while, so if you're new here, I'm Darren. Um, while I had the uh, privilege of starting Westridge, I'm a uh, volunteer here, just like so many of you are. and. Um, As many of you already know, earlier this year, I had the opportunity to sell my interest in my company, and so I've been taking some time off, and so for the last couple of months, uh, Shelby and I have been living in a little town in Spain called San Sebastian, and we really just wanted to live there and take in the culture, become part of the community, and uh, part of what we were doing there was uh, taking Spanish lessons. Um, It's embarrassing to me that as much time as we spent in Nicaragua and I don't know Spanish and so we took Spanish lessons And I think the one thing that became very clear very quickly is I am absolutely terrible at language like I I could barely speak English I think but um, Anyway, this our trip ended this last Tuesday Um, We were getting picked up to go to the airport. It was a beautiful morning and I said hey like, for the last morning, I just want to go to my, walk to my favorite bakery. I want to get my little favorite pastry, which is, like, this little loaf of blueberry bread, cakey thingy, and a cup of coffee, and I want to go take it over to the Buen Pastor Cathedral, sit on the park bench in the sun, and listen to the church bells ring one last time, and so that's exactly what we did and we were sitting there just enjoying this kind of last moment in san sebastian and we're getting ready to go and i realized that we haven't finished the entire loaf and we were leaving and so i see this elderly gentleman sitting at the park bench across from me and he's holding his loaf of bread that he had just bought and it's still in the wrapper and it's a pretty common thing because everybody buys their bread fresh every day which is amazing and so i see he's a bread lover and i, and I say in my best spanish hey We're not going to be able to finish this, so if you'd like some of our bread, we'd love to share it with you. Um, And he gets this weird look on his face, and he grabs his bread, and he just says, no. (laughs) And I thought, okay, that's a little weird, like, a little kind of, you know, I'm just trying to be neighborly, and maybe he's just saying, you know, he wants to have his own bread or whatever, and didn't think any of it. We, We go to leave, Shelby starts laughing, and I'm like, what are you laughing at? She said you just told that guy that you want his bread. (laughs) So, (laughs) I thought I was going to steal his bread. So, uh, needless to say, I did not master the Spanish (laughs) language while I was down there, but we had a great time, and it was just really just enjoying the simple beauty of life, which really is what we're talking about in this series um, called The Secret to Life, and there's just a a few ingredients that we're going to be talking about over the next few weeks about what we consider to be pretty essential foundational points if we're going to have this kind of joy-filled, abundant life. And so today, we're going to talk about the first ingredient, which is what it looks like to live generously. I have to say, I I really uh, miss this place. And I want to give a shout-out to uh, Eric Zapchank and his team who um, does the live streaming thing. So even though it was four o'clock in the afternoon in Spain, we still attended the 9 a.m. service here uh, virtually, which was super cool that we we're able to do that. So I thank Eric, and who sits in that little cubby back there and all the work that they do. And, so it's cool. So I tell you, I think one of the negative things that came out of uh, the pandemic <clears throat> is that it Really uh, facilitated the creation of this like bunker like mentality, I'll describe it as, where, you know, we were in survival mode during COVID. And it was kind of this idea that I'm going to take care of me and mine and forget about the rest of the world. I'm just going to take care of this little family. And that mentality has really grown, I think, over the last few years and carried over in a lot of different areas of people's lives and it's really permeated our society and country and politics and and I feel like it's just this self-focused mentality that's slowly evolving and I don't like it Um, because the reality is that we were created to do it differently. We were created for the opposite of that. We were designed by God to be givers, not takers. And it's the idea that the more we give away, the more generously that we are able to live out our lives, the more fulfilled we are in our lives. And I think the question is, what does that look like to live a life that's generous? Because... It really is living life that's almost counterculturally, and instead of walking through this world trying to get and grab as much as we can while we can, instead we walk through this world with this mindset, with eyes wide open, where we're looking around all the time for opportunities where we can give back and to serve And to be generous rather than to take and have this sense of entitlement like this is owed to me. So the people that I know in my life that are the most joy-filled people aren't the billionaires and millionaires that I know. The most joyful people that I know are the people who are just super, super grateful for what they have. And what ends up happening is that gratitude drives their sense of generosity. So they are living out this generous life as a result of the gratitude that is embedded to them. And in fact, I would argue that the more grateful we are, the more generous we become. And so today I want to look at living generously through the lens of what the Bible has to say about Giving And my hope is that by the end of this message that you'll have a very clear understanding of why we give and how giving will impact you if you start doing it in a more meaningful way and how you can grow as a result of of introducing meaningful giving into your life. And so I want to do that by looking at my favorite passage um, in the New Testament when it comes to giving is, is 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And by way of background, uh, it's a, Corinthians is a letter that's written by the Apostle Paul to the church in Corinth. And in this passage, he's speaking about an offering that is being collected for the church at Jerusalem, which is underwater. They're experiencing a lot of financial difficulties at this time. And so he's asking churches in the area to contribute back to the church of Jerusalem, which was kind of the mothership of all churches back then. And so while he's really asking the church of Corinth to contribute to this offering, he uses the churches over in Macedonia as an example of what giving should look like. And so in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 through 3, and then we'll look at verse 7, he says this. Now... I want you to know what God's grace has done through the churches in Macedonia. They have a lot of trouble. They're very poor. They are also filled, however, with an abundant joy which has overflowed into rich generosity. For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more, even beyond their abilities. And they gave of their own free will. Since you have grown in so many ways in your faith, your knowledge, your enthusiasm for God, and your love, I also want you to grow in the generous act of giving. So Paul says to the church at Corinth, hey, as you're thinking about what you're going to do in giving, I just want to let you know what the churches over in Macedonia did. These churches have created a model for what giving should look like. And so out of this passage, I think we can kind of extract some very strong biblical principles about what giving should look like, as well as give us some perspective about why giving is so important to our emotional and spiritual health. So the first biblical principle is this. Giving is out of a response to being grateful for God's grace, not out of a sense of obligation, and I'm going to add, or guilt. Notice that Paul says here that in spite of the fact that the Macedonians were facing difficulties and they were extremely poor, they gave generously out of their gratitude for the grace of God. If you want to know if somebody has been radically transformed by Jesus, if somebody has encountered the radical love of God and really has has experienced the grace of God, look at their giving. Because it does not make any financial sense. And there has to be something going on that causes somebody to give in such a generous way, and that something is that they have encountered God's grace. This is the foundation of giving. This is the foundation of the Christian life, which is a much longer conversation, but this is also the foundation in our perspective today. This is the foundation of giving. If we are not giving out of a response to God's grace, which is to say our gratitude for what God has done for us, which is to say that he saved our rear ends from the pits of hell, the forgiveness that we've received, the blessings that we have been given, if we're not giving for those reasons then our motivation for giving is off. I want to be really clear about this point. We do not give to cover a church budget. Never in 26 years have me or anybody else, see yeah, I told you I couldn't speak English, uh, me or anybody else, um, we've never stood on this stage in 26 years and said, hey, you need to give this week because we're not going to be able to pay our electric bills. We're short. We're not going to be able to cover the staffs out. Never, ever once because that's not what giving is about giving is between you and God and that should be the motivation is that what you're doing in response to what God has done for you you may have noticed that we say that all the time during the offering we say don't give out of a sense of obligation or guilt we really want you to give out of a you know response to God's grace and we really mean that like It's okay if the offering bag is passing you by. There's no camera checking to see if you drop something in the offering bag and nobody's like judging or any of that. Giving should be this pure act that we do because we've been so radically transformed by the grace of God that we just want to do something to say thank you and that giving is that tangible way to say thanks. Because I think... There's a lot of people who believe that the church just wants my money and while that may be true of some churches out there, it's not true of us and it's not true of most churches and we've made a commitment here at Westridge that we will not teach anything contrary to the Bible and the Bible teaches very clearly that giving is out of a response to God's grace. It's not some fee you have to pay for sitting in that chair of of going to church. It's not some giving because pastors laid some guilt trip on you about something. If your life has not been radically changed by Jesus, then don't give. It's really that simple. Paul says, and it's okay. It comes with time. Paul says the Macedonians were so filled up with gratitude to God that it just spilled out of their lives in the form of generosity. They couldn't help themselves. They wanted to give. They gave not out of a overflow, an overflow and abundance of money, they were broke. but they gave out of an overflow of gratitude in their lives, and at the core of their lives is a sense of fulfillment and joy, Paul says, because they were living this life of generosity, not because they had money. So there's this contrast going on where we give only to um, we give only when we have money. Where there's this like surplus of cash flow versus giving out of an abundance of joy, no matter how much money we have or don't have, we give something meaningful. And that's really the contrast, right? Because it's, it's like, okay, am I going to give because I have money in the bank this month or am I going to give because this is a lifestyle that I've created where giving is a normal part of my life? because we're giving out of response to God's grace, not how much money we have or don't have in any given time. Which brings me to the second biblical principle, and that is that giving is sacrificial. Uh, Verse 3 says that the Macedonians gave not only what they could afford, but far more even beyond their ability, and they gave of their own free will, which I think is a very important point. There was no guilt going on, there's no manipulation, they gave out of their own free will. This is a really important verse because what was taught previously was the Old Testament principle of tithing where you are to give 10% of your gross income. I mean, 10% of your gross income, that's a lot of money, right? When you figure out your mortgage and the taxes that you pay and and the water bill and all that stuff, it all adds up and 10% is a big chunk. But here, tithing gets pushed aside for this New Testament teaching who are calling sacrificial giving, which just sounds painful, doesn't it? I mean, just in case you're like not picking up what I'm laying down here, I'm going to just give you the definition. Sur- sacrificial giving is when you surrender something that is prized, like your money, or greatly valued for the sake of something considered to be more meaningful and personally valuable. So what it's saying is that when we give, we believe that giving to the stuff of God is more valuable than me accumulating more of the stuff of this world. Because when we develop an eternal perspective, all of a sudden we know when you die, money don't mean a dang thing. But investing in the stuff of God goes beyond the realms of this world. Now, I want to be careful not to misrepresent this point because, again, there's, I think there's some bad teaching going on in some churches that's typically called the prosperity gospel where pastors get up and say, hey, tap that credit card, tap that line of credit, you know, give more, 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 because you know, whatever you give, God's going to give you ten times back. The Bible never says that. The Bible says you'll be blessed as a result of your giving, but it doesn't say you'll be blessed financially as a result of your giving. So this teaching that if you give a buck, you're going to get ten bucks back, and that's the motivation for giving, that's the wrong motivation. Right? But out of our sense of generosity, out of our sense of giving, we're blessed with a sense of joy and fulfillment. And you might be blessed financially, which is awesome, but that's not the motivation, and that's not what the Bible teaches. So I want to be really clear about this one point. The amount that we give is meaningless to God. He just cares that the amount that you give is a meaningful amount to you. In other words, five bucks to me may not be five bucks to you. 500 bucks, 5,000 bucks, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how big the gift is. What matters is, is that amount that you're giving a meaningful amount to you. Do you feel it when you give it? Does it stretch you to give that amount of money? That's what he's talking about. Paul was excited about the Macedonians' gift, not because it was such a big gift, because they were broke. But it was because they gave sacrificially from the heart. Now, I have to tell you that the most meaningful gift that I've ever received are from probably the poorest people that I know. There's a a family that lives across the way from where we're at in Nicaragua, and they're a beautiful family. This is uh, Fidel and Maida and their kids and grandkids, and um, we've worked together at the schools, and we just have a great relationship. They're super cool people. They have dirt floors. They have chickens running around in their bedroom. They have no power, no clean water at their house. Can't even get water to that place where he's at. And you know, poorest people ever. But we love them, they're joy-filled people. They're a lot of fun, great family. So for my 50th birthday, which sounds like a long time ago now, (laughs) uh, I, I threw myself a party. And um, so in Nicaragua, I got like, I invited like 60 people who were part of the community down there, and there's a little palapa restaurant thing on the beach, and so I threw the party there. And so we're, you know, in the middle of the party, it's about in the middle of the evening, and Stu, who runs Nika Angels Forest down there, he comes up to me and says, hey, Fidel's outside, and he wants to talk to you. And that's kind of weird. So I went outside. I was very curious as to what he had to say. And so as I walked outside, I see this. This is him and his son-in-law. And they have my favorite fish. So everybody in El Transito, which is a little fishing village, knows that I love Red Snapper. And when the fishing boats come in, if I'm in town, they know they can sell me. I'm an easy sucker to buy the Red Snapper. So these guys know that I love Red Snapper. And this was my, this was my present for them. Like, I was like, Yeah. I was so moved, I was crying, and you know, it, was, it was this. But it isn't because it's a grandiose gift, it's because this is like a week's worth of salary to these guys, and this really is the most meaningful gift I have ever received, because they love me. And this is the kind of, you know, just to go off on an aside, but this is the kind of stuff that happens in, in the work that we're doing down in Nicaragua. It's not about building some big grandiose mission or scaling something. It's about just changing one family's life at a time over time. And, um, you know, just as an aside, this Saturday is our Wine to Water event, which is a beautiful evening, a wine dinner that we convert this whole auditorium into with beautiful music and beautiful wines, and it's a great time. But we're raising money this year for building... A little neighborhood for people who live in dilapidated houses that are makeshift houses that aren 't safe with dirt floors and they don 't have clean water and we 're going to create a little community of quality housing with clean water for you know this group of people and we 're really excited about it so this year's wine to water when you buy that ticket, that contributes to that so it doesn 't matter whether you really like wine or not. I hope that you guys will come and celebrate the work that we do down in Nicaragua um, with us so Last point I want to make from this passage, uh, the last biblical principle I want to raise, is that giving is as a result of and causes spiritual growth. Listen to what he says, the Apostle Paul says in um, verse 7. He says, Since you have grown in so many ways, in your faith, in your knowledge, your enthusiasm for God, your love, I also want you to grow in this generous act of giving. So giving in the Apostle Paul's world, is right up there with faith and love and everything else that goes along with the Christian life. It's a big deal, right? It's one of the basic tenets of the faith. Giving is very much a part of that. And as I said before, if you're not at a place in your relationship with God where you have a desire to give, then don't give. But I would also say that the opposite is also true. If you are in a relationship with God, if you want to grow in your faith, and you are not giving in a meaningful way, you're not giving an amount that is meaningful to you where you feel that thing when you give it that stretches your faith, then I would challenge your perspective about that because it's very much a part of the Christian life. There's a reason why the Bible talks about money five times more than prayer and faith. And it's not because God needs your money. It's because we have issues with money. We have a lot of issues with money. We're caught up in it. We can't let go of it. It changes the way that we act. It changes the way that we treat people. It changes what drives us in our life. Money's tough. And so this act of giving gets us out of that, right? It, it, when we give that, that gift, when we give that offering, We're letting another little piece of this world go and we're saying, putting it perspective that we're giving that the way because at the end of the day, it's not gonna be there for you. It's not gonna be what you can rely on. And so the Bible's saying, hey, don't live your life for money because if you do, I promise you, you will leave this world unfulfilled and unhappy because you will look back on your life and go, I have wasted my whole life pursuing the wrong stuff but if we can have something inside of us that drives us with a sense of of purpose and mission and our money is part of that and we're generous and giving that away as part of that believe it or not as we grow in our relationship with God so does our desire to give Giving is not a condition of where we're at economically. It's where we're at spiritually. It's having the right perspective. I can tell you, in all honesty, I have been at the bedside of a lot of people who are leaving this world. That has been an honor that I have had where I've been able to sit with people as they've left this life. And I can tell you this with all honesty, not one of them gave a rip about money or how much money they had in the bank, or how much money, every single one of them. It was all about their faith and family, and that's all that matters. At the end of the day, what is it that's driving your life? What is that sense of purpose and mission? What is driving you and getting you out of bed in the morning? I think the beautiful thing is when we can live a life really understanding the brilliance of God. That He has given us this grace and He's given us this opportunity to live differently, to live counterculturally, and to live a life of joy and abundance. And living a life of generosity is a very much an important part of that. That's what helps to make our life